0: My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Welcome to another day as we continue our journey through the Word of God. And today we're going to be looking at Psalm 8. Psalm 8 which is about the glory of God in creation. I love this psalm, and uh, I think that it's an amazing opportunity for us to reflect upon the glory of God in creation. The title of this psalm reads, To the Chief Musician on the Instrument of Gath, a Psalm of David. And... The chief musician is God himself. Whenever you see that at the beginning, that is a capital C, capital M, chief musician. That is God. The ultimate worship leader is God, the chief musician. And the sound of the psalm is, uh, on the instrument of Gath, uh, which is called a Gittith, an Al Gittith. Not sure what that is. Um, but this, this instrument could, uh, could have been uh, anything that was producing a melody for David to be able to sing this, which I love. Um, and he speaks of the glory of God and how the glory of man and his destiny reflects upon God. So uh, this psalm, like many of David's, finishes and ends the same way. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. That's verse 9, the end, and that's verse 1 at the beginning. And so this is how David capsulates. Now, that statement, O Lord, our Lord, if you read it in Hebrew, it actually says, O Yahweh, our Adonai. Not O Lord, our Lord. Okay, that's the English translation. Um, Now, what that means is... uh the recognized covenant name of God, Yahweh, and the position of Yahweh to his people, which is Lord and Master. So it's our, our ultimate God, our covenant God, O Lord, our Lord, our Master, O God, our Master. That's what that opening means. How excellent is your name, God? David recognized that even though The Lord, Yahweh, was Israel's covenant God. He was also God and Yahweh of more than just Israel. How excellent is your name in all the earth, not just Israel. And he says, who have set your glory above the heavens. The earth is not enough to measure the glory of God. His glory is above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing influence you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. In, in the first verse, David considers the greatness of God by looking at how his power and his glory is evident in creation, both on the earth and in the heavens. Now he considers that the power of glory of God can be seen in very small things, babies, nursing infants, And God's strength is evident in them as much as it is in the enormity of the universe. And this touches on a familiar theme in the Bible, the idea that God uses the weak things to display his strength and his power and glory. First Corinthians chapter 1 is an example of this. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. David Guzik says, It is hard to think of anything more weak and helpless than a baby. Yet the same God who can ordain strength out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants can give strength and support to me in the midst of my weakness. Love that statement. Now, Jesus actually quoted this passage from Psalm Psalm 8 in Matthew chapter 21. And he was doing all these wonderful miracles around the temple. And he received the praise of children who cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. This, this, this is Jesus fulfilling what David was talking about here. And so Jesus quotes David. Your enemies, that you may silence the enemy. The reason why God displays his strength in unlikely people is because it works to silence the enemy. The devil has nothing to say when God works in somebody who's otherwise weak. He doesn't know what to do with that. Think about Job. Uh, God silenced the accusations of Satan against both God and Job by the way that he sustains Job uh, in the middle of his own weakness. Think about Gideon. Gideon's like, I'm not a leader. I don't know how to lead anything. The Holy Spirit comes upon and anoints him. And all of a sudden, God through the power of the Holy Spirit, uses the weak to silence the enemy. Now, in quoting this in uh, Matthew chapter 21, Jesus was also using this quote to tell his followers who he was. I am that person that David talked about. I am Yahweh. I am Adonai. That's who I am. So he knew what it was like. Jesus knew what it was like to look up into the stars and see this wonderful, vast universe. And uh, I think that we have an opportunity here for us to identify with Jesus because he lives in us as we look up. What, what do we see? Um Okay. Let's move on to verse three. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. David knew the value of just considering the glory of God's creation, just looking at it and considering it. He knew what it was like to look at the sky and consider how amazing God was by looking up at the universe. Now, if you think about this from a reality perspective, if you use your naked eye, you can see about 5,000 stars. Uh, If you get a just decent sized telescope, you can see about 2 million stars. If you go to an observatory, you can see more than a billion stars and you still can't see everything. And the universe is so big that we, it, we, we don't even know how to measure it. And these heavenly objects, the stars and galaxies are the work of the fingers of God. What is man that you are mindful of him? Like you created these galaxies billions of miles away and yet you can, you, you care about these little nursing infants and man. David wondered why such a big God would be so concerned with him as a little man. But David never doubted that God was mindful of man. He just couldn't work out why. And he said, you are mindful of him. uh, And the son of man that you should visit him. He's actually using here a method of repetition where, where David's repeating the same thought and he's getting stronger and stronger the more he repeats it. And the son of man is a title that emphasizes the humanity of man, the humanness. might say that visit him is stronger than just being mindful of him. Uh, When he says son of man here, um, you notice he's not talking about the son of man, capital S, Jesus. He's talking about the son of man. Just Man. David was confident that God not only thought about mankind, but that he had some kind of actual personal connection to him. You shall visit him. In other words, that this God who creates the galaxies also comes and cares about you and about me in our little individual circumstances of life. And then he says, you've made him a little lower than the angels. David saw that God made man a little lower than the angels. We are beneath the angels right now, at this point in history, we are beneath the angels in, in glory, in power, and nearness to God. And the word that's translated angels here is the word Elohim, which often refers to God himself. But the ancient translators of the Hebrew of the Bible uh, understood that Elohim here, lowercase e, was a... Uh, reference to angelic beings. And that is how the writer to the Hebrews actually understood it as well uh, in Hebrews chapter 2. Now, David didn't say significantly, think about perspective, always think about, you know, by what he said and what he didn't say. What he didn't say was, uh, you have made man a little higher than the beasts or than the animals. No, he said, being made lower than the angels. But you could say that it's true that we're lower than the angels and higher than the beasts. Uh, theologians since Thomas Aquinas have noted that man is in this middle position between the angels and the animals. Um, but David makes us look up, not down. Um, now, if you look at mankind, you'd say that most of mankind actually resembles more of the animals than they do the angels. Boyce says this, Although made in God's image and ordained to become increasingly like the God to whom they look, men and women have turned their backs on God, and since they will not look upward to God, which is their privilege and duty, they actually look downward to the beast and so become increasingly like them. Guzik. This very passage is quoted by the author to the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5-9 to to reinforce and build upon this exact point. In it, he notes that man's lower state relates only to this world and not in the world to come in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. More pointedly, the writer of the Hebrews used this passage in Psalm 8 to show that Jesus really did add a genuinely human nature to his divine nature and thus also became a little lower than the angels. Lots to read in that, isn't there? And he says, you have crowned him with glory and honor. So even though for a little while set lower than the angels, man's destiny ultimately is to be crowned with glory and honor that surpasses the angels. It's the destiny of men and women who have accepted the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ to one day be lifted above the angels. First Corinthians chapter six, verse three, Revelation chapter 20, verse five. God's glory is above the heavens and he puts this glory and this honor on man as a crown. See, Jesus took on himself an undeserved crown of thorns when he really deserved the crown of a king. He will put us, on us, a crown of of royalty instead of the crown of thorns that we deserve. Which is an effective way of identifying man with God, Boyce says this, and of saying that he has been made in God's image, reflecting God's glory in a way other parts of the creation just do not. Now, The writer of the Hebrews points out that this divine call and gift that's given to mankind of great dominion over the earth is actually tragically unfulfilled because fallen man seems so weak and so incapable of dominion over even his own thoughts and actions that he cannot be much less crowned with glory and honour. But as Hebrews properly says in Hebrews chapter two, verse nine, but we see Jesus. (laughs) See, when we look at ourselves, we're never going to see anything that can be righteous before God unless we look at ourselves and see Jesus. Um, David knew this a thousand years before Jesus. Isn't that amazing? You have made him. To have dominion. Now this is talking about mankind, not about Jesus. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. David understood the mandate that had been given to him uh, through Adam. He was a descendant of Adam. And... The mandate was given to Adam in creation, Genesis chapter 1, and man indeed has dominion over the creatures and the resources of the earth. But part of this authority is a responsibility to manage the creatures and the resources of the earth in a way that gives glory to God. And we are meant to use the creatures in this earth wisely and responsibly. David says here, you have put all things under his feet. He develops the idea around, uh, verse six here. And he's continuing the dominion that man has extends to sheep, beasts of the field, birds of the air, fish of the sea, Guzik says. The apostle Paul quotes this passage in first Corinthians chapter 15. Paul quotes it, verse 27. He quotes it in the same way that the writer of the Hebrews did in Hebrews chapter two, showing that this promise of dominion is now only incompletely fulfilled among men. But it ultimately will be fulfilled in Jesus, who's the ultimate man, and will one day also be ultimately fulfilled in the resurrected followers of Jesus Christ. So it's when you think about that, it's a great tragedy uh, when mankind is caught by the things of this world. Because we were born to have dominion, over material things. Material things were not meant to have dominion over us. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. When David thought about this incredibly vast dominion that God had given to man, he just made him praise God over and over. And it's a it, it's a it's a sign of his own humility, understanding how humble he is compared to God. David understood the position of man in creation says far more about the glory of God than it does anything about the glory of man. And when you understand it, you should praise God more. And Guzik says this, there are three wonderful and important truths about man found in this psalm. When these truths are denied or neglected, man never is what God made him to be. God made man, number one. God made man something glorious, number two, and God made man for a high and worthy destiny, number three. All three of these principles are rooted in what God has made man. They don't exist, nor are they fulfilled from the work or the plan of man. It's only through God. The most striking feature of Psalm 8 is its description of man and his place in the created order. But the psalm does not begin by talking about man. It begins with a celebration of the surpassing majesty of God. Maya. He made us to have dominion by the word of creation. He has made us kings under God by his blood. His name shall therefore be honoured through all the earth. So what's our observation today? Um... Wow, so many things. David starts and finishes talking about the excellence of God's name. Why? Because he is Yahweh and Adonai. He is our covenant God who's paid the price for us through sending his son. He is our Adonai, our master. We are to, we, we, happily do what he asks us and tells us to do. O Lord, our Lord. So is he only, O Lord, the one that gives you salvation, or is he, O Lord, our Lord, the one who gives you salvation, but also is your master? He's only your master if you're doing everything he asks you to do. Otherwise, you might as well just read this, O Lord, how excellent is your name? And the second Lord gets totally written off. If he really is, O Lord, our Lord, And let's make him, O Lord, our Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful psalm of David in Jesus' name. We pray that it would be revealed to us how we should apply this to our lives and what observations we should have today in Jesus' name. amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.